everybody welcome to the true crime squad i'm christy brower here with my sister co-host and partner in crime katie weaver hey katie. hello how's it going oh it's going pretty good oh good i see that we're um unintentionally matching again today oh we are really good at that if you're new to us you might not know it but we do that by accident all the time because we <laughs> are in fact sisters mm-hmm. and we think a lot alike and uh yeah sometimes we are like super matchy matchy but we're pretty close stripes right? we've shown up in pretty much matching stripes several times lately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like with us. pinky tie-dye sort of colors too mm-hmm. pretty yeah funny well this of course is an update on the Lori vallow trial and we were not in court today but we did have an operative in court and we also you know we're just following what was happening and you know, kind of piecing together from what we know of this testimony that we've already seen, uh, because there was only one person on the stand today, and that was Detective Hermosillo. And he has been on this case. He's with Rexburg PD, and he has been on this case from the very beginning. Yeah. And funnily enough, we went to high school with him. Mm -hmm. We knew Ray as kids. (laughs) So this is all weird when it's your hometown, when this stuff is happening. But it was a very um, eventful day in uh, court, wasn't it? So we'll talk a little bit about what was presented, but then we want to really get to what happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, they started at 8.30, like usual, called uh, Detective Hermosillo in to and swore him in, as they all do. And he talked about when he went, um, let's see, he um, had talked to the Gilbert, um, Arizona Police Department initially about, guess what, that Jeep, that Jeep that uh, was driven, was driven by someone while uh, someone else shot at Brandon Boudreaux. Now and again, I will just say, why would they use a vehicle that Brandon would know? I know. Because they thought the world was going to end and <laughs> it wouldn't matter. They were too dumb to care. They really believed they weren't doing anything wrong and had bought into this. Or they um, really thought that they would shoot him and he wouldn't be alive right. to know right. what they the Jeep was. Him, so they wouldn't have known. Right. So the police actually seized that Jeep on November 4th mm-hmm. from um, Lori Ballow's residence. Yeah. And um, Gilbert police came to Rexburg and they had a warrant mm-hmm. uh, for the Jeep's information. And that is the first time that he heard about JJ and Tylee. And the uh, the uh, Gilbert police had said that the grandmother Kay Woodcock was worried about the kids and wasn't hadn't heard from them in a while, weren't sure what was going on. So, um, 
they were contacted, Hermosillo and, you know, Rex Rapiti were contacted on November 25th and said that they genuinely could not find JJ and Kay Woodcock had asked for a welfare check. Mm-hmm. So um, Detective Hermosillo and Detective Hope from both from Rex Rapiti went to Lori's house. And that was really the first contact in relation to the kids. Yeah, And you'll remember this story because we've told it before. Um, Chad and Alex were out unloading a pickup and detective Hermosillo walked up to Alex and asked if Lori was home mm-hmm. and Alex said Lori wasn't. And Hermosillo said he was there to do a welfare check on JJ. He says he remembers that Alex looked at him with a blank look and that he looked scared. Mm-hmm. And then Alex looked at Chad and then they just didn't say anything. That's not suspicious, right? Not, right. That's not suspicious at all. No. Uh, then they said that Alex uh, Alex said that JJ was with Kay in Louisiana. And guess what? <laughs> Dumb asses again. Mm-hmm. And then Hermosillo was like, mm, no, that's who asked for the welfare check. So we're pretty sure yeah. he's not with his grandma. Mm-hmm. Dumbest criminals on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I'll never, this part's so funny. Hermosillo asked um, if Alex had Lori's phone number and Alex said he didn't. Weird. He's her sister, you know, mm-hmm. or she's his, he's her brother. Gosh, getting that we got it. We caught you it. it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so they locked, knocked on Lori's door. Nobody answered. Um, and so then they start asking some questions because Chad just got his, his, Chevy and just beat it out of there at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Hermosillo stopped him and said, when was the last time you saw JJ? And he said it was in October in apartment 107 with Lori in October. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yes. And then Hermosillo asked how Chad knew Lori. And he said he hardly knew her. And they'd only met a couple times, which they knew they were lying. They already knew that Chad and Lori were married. So they're just lying their asses off. Ball, you know, ball face lies to the police mm-hmm. right in front of them, you know? Yep. So they're talking to him, you know, they're worried about where these kids are, you know, what, yeah. what, what the hell is going back, you know, what's going on here? So then there was a another um, uh, objection because they asked, they had, there was, there was no warrant at this time. So they, they just had body cam footage. And Hermosillo was going to describe what he saw on Hope's um, body cam when they looked Uh back at it. Um, And apparently that was not allowed. I don't know why. They could have just played the body cam. (laughs) I don't know if that seems And and they'll just bring Hope to do that very thing. Yeah, so they're not really stopping anything. The defense, I mean, they don't have much to go on. So, of course, they're objecting to anything they they can think of. Because what do they got going here? Right. Not much. So the next day, the police came back with a warrant for Lori, Alex, and Melanie Polowski's apartments. Mm-hmm. And they had to break down the front door of Lori's apartment. And they remember seeing that there were couches, dishes in the sink, food in the pantry. Like there were things there indicating that people lived there. But there were no clothes on any of the hangers. And they did sort of have concerns about how anyone was living there if there weren't any clothes. Yeah. And it did seem like it was kind of obvious that, eh, 
there's something up with these apartments. Mm-hmm. They also found um, a few things that belong to JJ, some toys and medication. And, and then they got into the garage and this is where things get creepy. Yeah. They got into Lori's garage. So here's what they find. Um, several army type knives, empty magazines for various weapons, stuff like that, that they were like, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, that's also where they found the rental agreement for the storage unit. Yeah. If y'all remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they did get a search warrant for that as well. Let's see this, this one creeped me out. So in um, a bedroom with some of Alex's belongings. And remember, by this time, Alex is dead, isn't he? Right. No, he's not. No, he's dead mm-hmm. in about two weeks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So he is still living for a couple more weeks. Um, there was His name was on a plastic tub in the closet. Mm-hmm. So they knew it was some of his stuff. But they found white hazmat style suits on the floor. Yeah. What do you suppose those were for? Yeah. That was really chilling to me. Really chilling. Mm-hmm. So they also found a ghillie suit. Yeah. And there had been talk that they thought that um, Alex might have been wearing that when he shot at Brandon but Rudeau. Ta- right. And Tammy. And at Tammy. Yeah. yeah. They also found gun magazines and silencers. Mm-hmm. for the end of a gun. And remember, Brandon Boudreau said the gun that shot at him had a silencer on the end of it. Well, and we have believed that the gun that shot at Tammy had a silencer on the end of it because she thought it was a paintball gun. Yeah, she did. She thought because it of what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. So this was all, this is all getting very, very real. Mm-hmm. They also find knives and rifles and a handgun. <clears throat> Yeah. They also find um, a, wa- a plastic Walmart bag, and in that bag is rope and duct tape. Yeah. And they also find Alex Cox's passport. Mm-hmm. So they go through some other emails and some other information, and they show the pictures, the very first pictures of the kids, the first ones that went out, the very first ones that we saw mm-hmm. when the kids, that the kids were missing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's these pictures right here these were the very first missing photos yeah and then this one was the one when the FBI uh, released this photo from Yellowstone the day before Tylee died yep this Look was her Alex. last proof of life yeah yeah, the killer at, just lurking in the background with a big grin on his face. Creepy Uncle Alex. Oi, that's a yeah. that that is scary looking. It is. It is knowing what he did or was involved with, and just smiling in the family picture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so they showed some proof of life photos. So that September eighth. 2019 photo of of them in Yellowstone. That is the last known image of Tylee. Yeah. 
Um, and then they also had a photo of JJ that was taken on September 22nd of 2019. Oh, that's right. Last, um, last uh, proof of life for JJ. No yeah. photos of either of the kids after those dates. Right. Oh, let's see. Then they talk about uh, the, the Jeep and show some photos of that Jeep. Did, did, Gilbert PD take that Jeep or did they just get information from it? I, that has never really been made clear as least as far as I know. Yeah. I was That's very actually confused. Been kind of quiet information. I don't know if, if they needed still, to be or not, but yeah. Right. If they're waiting to use that in charges in Arizona, I've wondered because yeah, I, I'm not sure where that Jeep is. This is the picture of JJ in the red pajamas. Yeah. And this was, uh, not long before he died. Yeah, keep those red pajamas in mind. Mm -hmm. So then they jump to that fateful day of June 9th, 2020, mm -hmm. which is when they found the children's bodies buried in Chad's backyard. Yeah. Um, he said he remember Hermosillo said he remembers going to the house. Mm -hmm. uh, Chad's son, Mark, opened the door. He said his dad was still asleep. And so the officers went in to Chad's bedroom and he sat up in bed and said that they told him that they were there to serve a search warrant. And he got up and got dressed and went with the police down into the kitchen. Um, Chad asked to call his attorney who please remember at the time was Mark Means. Yeah. Which ultimately is one of the reasons why Mark Means got knocked off this case. Uh -huh. They fought it for a really long time before they finally got there. But yeah, Means was actually, chad's attorney on the day that they found the children's bodies mm -hmm. not that he told the truth about that in court because he did not when he was asked about it he was like no i've never i've never represented chad we're right. like all oh, except for that you did so, right so this is chad's house but it, there's kind of a an add-on off the back that uh goes up some stairs to and an apparently a bedroom that was uh at least in june when they went into the house was uh tammy and or, or was uh chad's bedroom mm -hmm. and that i think is kind of curious and interesting because just yesterday we were like how did he get away with strangling or, or not strangling or you know asphyxiating cammy however he did it we're still on team pillow but mm -hmm. uh without making any noise that his kids would hear because some of his right. kids do live there. But, uh, however, we know that Garth actually was at work at the haunted forest. So mm -hmm. he may not have uh, been home depending on when he actually did it. But if their bedroom was upstairs, that makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So it was kind of back away from the other room. So they might not have heard if there was any kind of a struggle. Right now we don't but actually know if uh, their bedroom, if that is, their bedroom you know right or if chad moved up there after she died but we don't know right yeah we don't but it is very it is odd like the story about what happened to tammy i'm very curious to hear what they have put together on that because yeah i feel like we still don't fully understand what's what was going on uh -huh. so chad had asked if he needed to leave the house while they were searching and they told him no but if he did an officer would have to accompany him. Uh -huh. So he wanted to call his attorney. 
And, and his kids did leave the house. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, so Chad went out and sat in his car to make the phone call. Now we know there were a couple of phone calls made to Mark Means, and he called Lori in jail. And we've heard that we've heard that call before. We we've actually played a recording of it um, in the past, and maybe we should scare that up so that we can um, air it. Yeah, again. we'll get that found. It was sure. they were it, really talking in code, you know, mm-hmm. about what was going on, um, but you know, kind of indicating that they didn't know when they would be able to speak to each other again. Uh, yeah. turns out not for years. Yeah. Not till apparently one meeting they had last summer that was allowed by the sheriff's office. But other than that, they've had no other conversations. Yeah. Very uh, interesting though. But that's also the time when then Chad tried to drive away or sort of yeah. did drive away. Like he was, he was sitting in that car stew and trying to decide what to do. Cause he knew what they were going to find. Mm-hmm. Well, he'd pulled over to his daughter's house. Because his daughter was renting a house across the street at the time. So he'd pulled over there and sat in her driveway for quite a while, just watching the excavation going on. Yeah. Uh, Hermesio says he remembers Chad was looking over his shoulder while he was in the car on the phone. And he said he looked where Chad was looking Mm -hmm. and saw the tree and pond in the backyard area. Like he was looking right where they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And they did have to stop him because he did try to take off mm-hmm. at that point. It was like right after they removed the rocks and the paneling and exposed JJ's uh, form there. Yes. That's when his oh shit moment hit and he tried to pull away. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did pull away. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't get very far though because they were keeping a close eye on him. Yeah. So this here is the pond and JJ's burial site in the tree. Yeah. Yeah. So Hermesia was was physically involved in the finding of the kids. He was mm-hmm. sifting around the fire pit, remember, and that's where Tylee's remains were found. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did admit also a Google Earth image of the property so that mm-hmm. the jury could see kind of the layout. And we, mm-hmm. we pointed that out a couple of weeks, well, two Saturdays ago when we were there, when mm-hmm. we were out to the house kind of the distance between the house and where um, these burials were. And it is not very far. No. Not very far at all. So this is an image that I believe came from, probably came from Nate. Oh, (coughs) yes. They they had a helicopter up. A helicopter that day. The rest of us could only get within a mile. We were at the uh, the press staging area, which was a mile away. But uh, you can see this red barn here. That is where... They believe, or we believe, that uh, Tylee was actually dismembered mm-hmm. because it was in this shed that they found pickaxes and shovels with Tylee's DNA on them. Yeah. But you'll see uh, in the front part of the picture, or, or the fronter part, you'll, you can see the fire pit kind of on the right side, right in the center. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's an excavator right there. That Right in that area, that's where... They called it the pet cemetery. They had uh, buried some of their pets here in the past. Mm-hmm. And this is where Tylee was, was right in this area. Yeah. Yeah. So then things start getting pretty grim because Hermosillo is, you know, he's talking about 
helping to find um, the bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did find they they um, one of the things that he described is that they as they were digging they started to be able to smell decomposition and they knew yeah they were finding a body and mm-hmm. they found um a, a round object that they realized was actually the top of someone's head and it was JJ's head yeah and so they removed the soil. And this is where things start to get pretty tense in court mm-hmm. because um, they, they start showing images. Oh, and this is when Chad starts to take off. Yes. And the yeah. officers pulled him over and took him mm-hmm. into custody at that point. Yeah. But this is when they actually were showing images of JJ's body it, as they yeah. unearthed it, you know, wrapped in plastic and duct tape. And he described him wearing red pajamas. Yep. So likely those pajamas he was wearing in that picture on the couch were what he died in and was buried in. He had on black uh, socks and he had his pull up on. Yeah, he did. So things, you know, obviously things are kind of heating up in the courtroom because this is tough stuff to watch. And yeah. they showed multiple pictures of JJ in various states, um, including with all the duct tape off from his face and his decomposing face, which I guess was kind of black and gray. But they all said they knew immediately it was JJ. They recognized him mm-hmm. from the images that they had of him. Mm-hmm. Our associate in the courtroom today said that it was very obviously JJ. She said that she felt like uh, there was less decomp in his face than she expected uh, for as long as he'd been buried. She said it mm-hmm. wasn't as, uh, it, it, he wasn't nearly as uh, decomposed as she thought he would be. Uh, yeah. So uh, the grandparents were, Larry was in court. Kay came after lunch. Um, I'm sure after she heard about the shenanigans going down, she felt like yes. she needed to be there. And we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, Larry shed a lot of tears in court today, according to oh. people that were in Ada. Yeah. And uh, so did a lot of people. Yeah. It was, uh, there was a lot of crying. Uh, just, I, I don't know, know how there couldn't have been. Any tears shed. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they start finding uh, burnt flesh and decomposing bones. And they started uncovering bits and pieces of Tylee, as Hermesio said. There were pieces of bone, charred flesh, just globs of flesh that were falling apart. Yep. Um, he said they found a green puck, a green bucket that had been melted. It was kind of deformed, and the flesh and bones were all kind of stuffed in that. Um, at this point, Lori was showing no emotion. Nothing. Yeah. And when they pulled the bucket out underneath was a skull. Yeah. And that's how they, and they did show pictures of this. A partial skull. Partial skull. That kind of fell apart when they tried to get a hold of it and pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, He said even that they had to take turns sifting through the earth to, to unearth as much of the body as they could find because the smell was so intense. Yeah. That they kind of had to just take turns taking a, a, a stint on it because it was just too much. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can only imagine. So they put Tylee's remains into a body bag 
And then they took the remains to the morgue at the at Madison Memorial Hospital in Rexburg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later their remains were taken to the Ada County Coroner's office. Yeah. Because we don't have anywhere for autopsies to be conducted <clears throat> here. Mm-hmm. We really just have the one lab in Boise mm-hmm. for these things. Uh, so they talked about some other, you know, images of the home and photos, including um, teeth. They did find teeth mm-hmm. uh, that had belonged to Tylee. Mm-hmm. And let's see. So then they show, you know, all these images. And, and Hermesio talks about how they could see... Um, you know, like body fluids from decomposition coming from JJ and in the ground below him. And so then the attorneys, somebody asked for a sidebar with the judge. Mm-hmm. And, they're, you know, everybody's getting tired and they've kind of had all they can take. And then they, then they braked for lunch. Mm-hmm. Saying they, that this is probably a good place to stop and let people go have lunch before we keep going. Yes. Yeah. And kind of, this was intense. So I couldn't <laughs> want to take it from, from what happened at lunch. And after that, well, they went to lunch and came back. And when they came back from lunch, something was going on. Uh, Lori's attorneys ended up out in the hall with her. This was before the jury came back in. They were just trying to come back. Wood was like ready to start, you know, keep, to, to keep going with Detective Hermosillo and Lori's attorneys end up in the hall. They ask for just a minute with their client. Lori is visibly upset and this is the first time in three years we have seen anything other than arrogance, flirting, yeah. smiling, chatting, laughing, flipping her hair. Yeah. The first time she's upset. So they're out in the hall talking with her, the judge. I. It sounded like maybe the prosecution went out there for a minute. The judge went out there, came back in. The judge said, we're going to take a 30-minute recess. So they took a 30-minute recess. 30 minutes came and went. Uh, still nothing. Mm-hmm. Finally, they come out and they motion some uh, officers to come back there, some of the bailiffs. And... Pretty soon, Lori's attorneys show back up in court, and the prosecutor shows back up in court, and everyone's now in court except for Lori. Yeah. And then the officers march her in there and sit her in her chair and chain her leg, do her leg chains to the floor. Mm-hmm. And she looks like she's been crying. Her Justin Lum said her arms were crossed really tight over her, folded like this. And, like, even when they stood for the jury to come in, she kept her arms crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, our associate in court said that she seemed to be mad at Archibald, that she had scooted her chair as close to uh, Mr. Thomas as she could get it and was glaring at Archibald, which is a huge 180 because she has yeah. been doing the opposite. She Everything we have seen of her in court, she ignores Thomas and scoots mm-hmm. as close to Archibald as she can get and is just kind of just like right up against him. right up to him right up against him yeah, yeah. so that was super different mm-hmm. so the judge says that we have a a matter a legal matter that came up over lunch that we need to deal with before the jury comes in 
So the matter was that Lori wanted to sit the afternoon out. Yeah. Apparently, I don't know. What up, Lori? You're you're offended by pictures of dead kids? You don't like looking your at pictures dead of your kids? dead kids? Yeah. yeah. So, and this is where uh, Lindsay Blake came through, like the straight up badass that she is. Mm-hmm. And yes. what we have heard from our friends that were there is that she did a killer job on arguing here. Basically, uh, Lori just wants to be able to sit some of this stuff out and yeah. not be in court while it's going down. And Lindsay Blake's like, first of all, no, there is no precedent for that to happen. She has to be here. Second of all, and she cited an Idaho rule, I think 149? 43, rule 43. Oh, rule 43. Mm-hmm. That basically is an Idaho law that says that you do have to be in the courtroom. Yeah, you have to attend your own trial. Mm-hmm. So the judge said that there were a few conditions that could be met for him to uh, waive Rule 43 and allow her to sit out. Mm-hmm. And he kind of went through those. And the prosecution was like, well, look, if you do that, then we want the jury to be instructed that this was not our fault and we had nothing to do with this. Yeah. We're super unhappy. And they said, and we want the right during closing statements to be able to bring this up. Yeah. And say she was uncooperative, didn't want to participate in her own trial. Yep. But this was her and yep. her choice. Yep. This is, uh, yep. Which I thought was brilliant. You know, basically what Blake was laying down was like, if you do this, you're going to have to give us some concessions because this is all wrong. Right. Yeah. So the judge, uh, he said that they had been researching it over lunch uh, to see what the rule and the law is. Because, you know, Lori's always, and her attorneys are always just kind of pushing at the boundaries all the time. All the time. This isn't the first time the judge has kind of had to stop in the middle of something and be like, we better go research the rule. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. And uh, the judge said no. He said no. He said she has to stay. So... Then they picked up with uh, the rest of court, and that's when some of the most graphic photos came out, and she refused to look at them. She had her head down and kind of sideways and not looking. She put her jacket back on and was kind of hunkered down. Some people thought she was kind of hiding behind a monitor. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Thomas got up to do the cross, she pushed her chair as far into his spot as she could get it, you know, what with being mm-hmm. chained to the floor, to get as far away from Chad as she possibly, or from a Chad, from a Archibald as she possibly could. Mm-hmm. We're not sure. He must have he been was. the one that was like, okay, we're going to have to get the, de- the deputies in here to make mm-hmm. you go in. Yeah. I'll bet he did. I bet he had to say that. They probably That's probably why they came in and let, because they can't physically drag her into court, but the deputies certainly can. Mm-hmm. So News Nation is saying she fell asleep after lunch. They are literally the only ones saying that. Yeah, we haven't seen anybody else say that. And I don't know if they have really anybody in that courtroom, but none of the other, you know, like people that we know that were in that courtroom said that she was just hiding her face. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't look up, and she sure didn't look at any of the uh, discovery that was coming across the screen. Yeah. So they did uh, 
finish up with Hermosillo. I mean, basically this afternoon, it was mostly just finishing up with some of the, uh, the photos of JJ mostly. Uh, he was duct taped from jawbone to jawbone across mm -hmm. his mouth and from forehead to chin. Yeah. His whole face was taped. So there was a picture of him with that off of his face. Oh, it's Lori Hellis that said that. I don't know. No one else is saying that but Lori Hellis. I'm not no. sure. Well, yeah. I think Lori Hellis is the one that said it on News Nation. Oh, okay. But so I don't know. But that that's not what anyone else that we're hearing is saying. But at at any rate, uh, but I, I I am curious about the medication. And, and here's why. They don't have the right to a medicator. So I doubt that they did that. Mm -hmm. uh, they they don't. But we had a conversation with someone online earlier today about this. And mm -hmm. that's that uh, the Lori, people seem to have an idea that the, uh, that there's a court order to forcibly medicate Lori. That's not true. No. Um, our contacts at the jail told us that there was, we thought there was because the uh okay so lots of people are saying she fell asleep i don't know you guys i'm not going to keep working talking about it i don't know yeah. we not from everybody that we had in there but whatever it doesn't mm -hmm. matter anyway uh now we're just off of oh. important topics i don't have it what are you okay it's um what we're talking about is that the prosecutor's office did file a request to force medicate her but we don't know if that was ever mm -hmm. said if that was ever approved and from our contacts with the Madison County jail, uh -huh. there was no order to force medicate her. You have right. to understand what a huge human rights violation it is to force medicate an adult. Uh -huh. And it is generally only done if that person is a risk of harm to other people, which yeah. Lori has never been since she has been in jail. So uh -huh. it's really unlikely that she's being force medicated. I, I don't, they would, couldn't have just drugged her at the, uh, at the courthouse. That is not a thing that they could have done. She would have had to be taken to a medical professional for anything like that to have happened. And there so, would have had to be a court order to do that. Yeah, there would. It's not uh, so simple as they could just force her. It's not like that. Unless no. she is like so dangerous to other people. And when she's standing there in shackles, she's not. No. And, um, and you know, 105 pounds soaking wet and. No, she could have taken anxiety meds if she was prescribed them, but that's only mm -hmm. if the jail had them and the right person was present to, dism to mm -hmm. dispense them at the courthouse, which I will bet you a thousand dollars. They don't disp dispense anything outside of the outside of the jail. Right. It's very, very regulated stuff when you start talking about medication mm -hmm. and prisoners. It is not right. so simple as a deputy has an anxiety med in his pocket and she would never have access to her meds herself. No, not so, at all. Yeah. So what had happened is that in the fall, the prosecution did, uh, they had make a, made a motion at some point that they could, uh, you know, take for the jail to be able to forcibly medicate. A lot of people seem to think that means that that's what they were doing, but we, none of us would know mm -hmm. that because no. the Lori's, all of her medical stuff was under seal. So what, what we do know from our contacts at the jail is that, uh, they were not forcibly medicating her. They didn't have an order to do that. No. Uh, but that her attorneys finally got her to start taking her meds sometime in January or December or January. And that's when we started seeing her show up in court, not acting quite so crazy mm -hmm. by the end of January. 
and actually kind of compete or, you know, actually being a part of her defense and taking notes and paying attention. And mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, still grinning from ear to ear and, and laughing and flirting and acting like normal. But mm -hmm. if uh, if people are telling you she's being forcibly medicated, they couldn't possibly know that that's true. No. And from what we've learned from the jail, we believe that that is absolutely flatly not true. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Right. And then if, if she is, does have access to meds, you're right, Gran, it would be inexpensive medication. Mm -hmm. They're not going to pay for expensive drugs. Jails in Idaho really don't like to provide medication at all. It is generally life-saving only. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's just, it, it, this is not what this is. Right. For um, sure. However, we have really worried We've really worried since she transferred to Ada that she would quit taking her medicine. Yes. She's in a much harsher environment that she came from in Madison. The women's jail in Madison is really kid gloves and pretty a pretty kind, easy place to be. And the people that are there, the other uh, inmates that are there are probably there for some pretty petty light stuff for the very most part. It is not a harsh environment. No, because this is a tiny place. And Ada County... Their jail is a very harsh environment, and we were a little worried just that the culture shock of going from Madison, where she was kind of, well, they did treat her very special because, you know, that was their job to make sure she got out of there in one, one piece and in good shape yeah. to be tried. And she got to Ada. She is in solitary, and, and she wasn't in Madison. She was in uh, small uh, group situations, but wasn't always in solitary. But she is in Ada. It's a very different situation. Mm -hmm. um, She's in a cell with bars, like a yeah. real jail. That's not, they have pods. It's not the same thing at Madison it's not the at same all. Thing. No. So we were worried in going to Madison or mm -hmm. moving to Ada, what that would do to her mental health. And again, if she would be willing to take her meds. This today scares me a little bit. Yeah. Now, obviously, <coughs> I'm sorry, the reality of, uh, these pictures and stuff obviously rolled her. The timing of it can't be ignored. Mm -hmm. But it does worry me that, uh, are we seeing Lori start to break down because she's not getting her medication? Yeah. Here's the reality of that. She can't just suddenly be become incompetent and have to go back to the hospital in the middle of the trial. The law protects for that. Lori had to be found competent 90 days prior to trial. Once she was yep. found competent, she's competent all the way yep. through the end of trial. So even a breakdown like this is mm -hmm. not going to result in we're stopping the trial and rehospitalizing her. No, that will not happen. The The law protects from that happening because people would just do that on purpose, you know, if that were allowed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that her attorneys are going to work with her on this. I'm sure they're questioning if she's taking her meds or not. And it may just very well be that this reality landed on her with both feet today uh -huh. in a way that it hasn't up to now. For sure. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, do we think she's on suicide watch? Uh, likely she is. She was on suicide watch at Madison. So mm -hmm. I would say, yeah. yeah, but that's just like, that's a, we have our eyes on Pretty you standard. every 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty standard, honestly, mm -hmm. in, in a person in her situation. Um, I think that's pretty yeah. much everybody. Yep. Yeah. They had said her mental health is fragile and that's why they wanted her to be able to leave. 
Yeah. Now they got to be real careful with that because this talk <laughs> all around this in these hearings beforehand. They're not using mental health as a defense. Mm-hmm. So all of this happened prior to the jury. The jury doesn't know any of this happened. They weren't right. in the room when any of this went on. So if any of this goes down in front of the jury, if they bring up her fragile mental health in front of the jury, boom, guess what? The prosecutor's office gets to bring in Dr. Wellner. Uh They have already said, if you open the door to mental health, we are bringing in Dr. Wellner. Y'all know who he is. He's the forensic uh, psychiatrist guy that's you know, has already done a big workup and write up about her and what his opinion is about her. Mm -hmm. He's the one that was in the Mitchell trial um, regarding Elizabeth Smart. Like it's a big deal. So they, her attorneys do not want this stuff happening when court is in session, when they're on the record, when the jury is in the room. No, the jury doesn't know any of this happened today. No, but the fact that they had to argue because of her mental health, uh, again, not in front of the jury, so it did not open the door probably for the uh, right prosecution to bring in uh, Dr. Wellner. But, oh, guys, we really want to see Dr. Wellner. Right. We really want to see him. Dr. Wellner. Uh, Dr. Wellner is, uh, he has studied Mormonism. He's not an LDS, but he uh, he's studied Mormonism and hyper-religiosity. Yep. And so he would be coming in with an opinion about, does he think that Lori is truly mentally ill? Or does she have a personality disorder? Or is she just driven by all of her needs and wants? He's the one, he said that he never believed that Mitchell was mentally ill. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, flew in the face of a lot of other people that had uh, checked into him. But he said that he didn't believe this was actually mental illness we were seeing. This was somebody who was a narcissist, who was absolutely determined to get what he wanted and to believe his own height, basically. And that's pretty much what Lori's up to. Right. Anyway, yeah. so, uh, yeah, keep it up there, Lore Lore, cause, or Lolo. Isn't that what mm. they called her, Lolo? Keep Lolo. it up, Lolo, because what's going to happen? You keep acting up in court, yeah, your mental health is going to come into play. And then the jury is going to get treated to hear from Dr. Wellner and others mm-hmm. that were going to be reserved for penalty phase. Yeah, yeah. And she will not go back to the hospital during this, Brandy, just so you know, that legally mm-hmm. they can't do that. She's been found competent. She has to stand trial. Yep. So it's, and you know, everybody's, we're all questioning. Was this real? Was this a show? We don't know. Mm-hmm. It, was it some of both? Saw lots of people on Twitter that felt like this was a show to, uh, I, I, somebody in one of our chat rooms said it best. I think that uh, they think at lunch her lawyers were trying to coach her. Oh, one of our cousins said this on mm-hmm. how humans behave. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. And it, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. It's a combination of all of those things. Yeah. Um, just, oh, another question that was asked. Yes, she is shackled to the floor, um, at all times. Every day. Yeah. Every day. That is a safety procedure that Ada County does. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she's, she's shackled. She's got ankle shackles on and she is shackled to the floor every time she sits down at their table. Yep. Yep. Cause she's a prisoner. I mean, for the longest time at Madison or when they were taking her up to court, they weren't even shackling her ankles. 
And then they finally right. started doing that. Well, the, yeah, they did it because Ada does it. So they yeah. were trying to help her get used to walking in them. Mm -hmm. um, she will never go back to the Madison County Jail. It is a county jail. It is not a prison. Yep. She will be placed either in the women's prison in Pocatello or in a facility in Boise. And we don't know, you know, that will depend. Or, or she'll get drugged to Arizona to stand for Charles's murder. Right. And they'll house her until she uh, goes through that trial. And then Arizona and Idaho will hash out where she's going to serve her sentence. Yep. 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 But again, if your defense is, oh, well, my brother murdered these kids. I was at my apartment playing with my friends. Then why wouldn't you be horrified by these photos? Why wouldn't right. you be sobbing your heart out, absolutely ill, puking in a garbage can looking at this stuff instead of sitting there stone-faced? Yeah. Why? Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's convicting herself. Well, yeah. Today was... This was some real damning evidence. And the jury most mm -hmm. certainly reacted, looked at yeah. her, were stunned. There were people crying. Like, this was a big, this is only day two for this jury, you guys. They are getting slapped in the face mm -hmm. uh, with this case. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got, we have to be careful because somebody said, you know, I wish the jury knew all this had happened today. The problem is the jury cannot convict her on emotion or personal opinion. Yep. They have to convict her based on the evidence presented by the prosecution. And that's why they don't know about things like this. Because, of course, mm -hmm. you know, a person's behavior would make you want to convict them. Mm -hmm. But does that mean they're guilty? Is, have they been proven guilty by the evidence? Because if not, then that's just appeals is what that is. That's an appeals yeah. nightmare. So it's actually good that they're protecting the jury from these things because they need to look at the evidence presented against them to determine is this in fact, um, you know, true or not true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pretty. Uh, no, she, if there's a gap between guilty and sentencing, there won't be because there's no, um, there's no, they don't, it's just the judge sentencing her. Mm -hmm. So there won't be a gap. She won't go back to Madison. She, she just won't. No. Her, her, They've already transferred custody and they're, they won't do it for sentencing. It's just not, even yeah. if there's a few day gap and there could be, because this judge really likes to do his research. Mm -hmm. There could be a few days in between, but they won't take her back. It's no, too she much would work. sit at Ada and then <coughs> they will, um, you know, transfer her to the department of corrections. And there's a, so everybody that goes to prison goes to this facility in, and I can't remember what it's called right now, but there's a facility in Boise that they go through and they go through an assessment period to assess their me their metal medical health, their mental health, to determine where is best to house them. She would go there first and then they would determine where to put her. And then it would also depend on, you know, when is Arizona going to extradite her and all that kind of stuff. But she's not coming back to Madison. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I'm sure that's a relief. Madison to not I would to imagine so yeah and just the pressure of you know having this high profile person here it's been a lot of stress it has yeah we do know that John Pryor was in court today and um <laughs> Justin Lum tried to talk to him and he was not having it, it kind of chased um, him down the sidewalk yeah he was yeah. not talking no so it was a very interesting day mm-hmm mm-hmm uh there 
they did finally uh, finish up and they moved into cross. So the prosecution finally finished and they moved into cross. They only had like 20 minutes, maybe of cross or maybe 30 of cross examination time. Yeah. I feel like they don't have a clue what to ask. There's not much to say. Like they, he uh, started out kind of asking some questions about the Jeep and then how, uh, when exactly did they learn that uh, the kids were missing? And he said one thing to Hermosillo, it was Thomas that was on the cross that I was like, was, was that some attempt at shade? He said something about um, what it must be like uh, working with the FBI and just being their busy little worker bees. I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, yeah I worked with the FBI before. Like, no yeah, deal, trying to ding you know? him. Like, or is this brand new for you? Have you ever been any, through anything like this before? And Right. I mean, Hermosillo has not. been on the Rexburg PD for 22 years. He's a right. very experienced police officer. Yeah. Well, and he's been, uh, yeah. And of course he, uh, no, he's never been on a case of this magnitude who has, but, uh, he's worked with the FBI before he's worked with Homeland before. I mean, this is not, but the way he yeah. acted, it was very condescending. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you guys just the busy little worker bees. Oh, okay. Uh, Hermesio was a star. He handled himself beautifully. We knew he would because he put up with some serious bullshit from john pryor during al or during chad's uh preliminary pryor was beyond nasty to him yeah and he, he was. was just as cool as a cucumber and he was mm -hmm. today too i felt like he did an amazing job yeah can you imagine being on the uh, stand that's this long today no the whole day with this subject matter having to explain these pictures yeah. trying to point out different body parts of of tylee trying to Tylee's identify trying to identify them telling this whole story again yeah been yeah. through a lot yeah um if mark means wanted to be there could he sit in the audience i can't imagine why not as a citizen probably yeah um would there be some objection um from the prosecution likely maybe even the defense too i i think that they um would would not like that because it would stir Lori up for sure but yeah. legally, I don't think he can't. No, he's too busy tweeting. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even going to waste our time on it because it's just gotten beyond ridiculous. I used to screenshot his tweets and show them to you guys because they're funny, but um, in the saddest of ways. But he's throwing out so many uh, legal opinions right now. Please remember, Mark Means had never been involved in a criminal case until this one. Yeah. That he, he got never off defended of. a felony. He his experience is not there, and his uh, the stuff that he says on Twitter it kills me how many times people clap back at him too. I'm like, get some self respect and quit doing this. What the yeah. hell are you doing? Exactly. Uh, any sightings of Daybell supporters, kids, Avow, etc.? No. Not that we've heard from anybody. Not yeah. that we know of, unless there are people that we just don't, can't identify, but no. Yeah. I would, I really think all of those people will stay as far away from this as humanly possible because they do not want to be associated with these murders. Nope. With whatever else they're involved in, they don't want to be associated with these murders. Well, and AVAL and uh, 
that's a voice of reason. We're talking about AVAL like everybody will know what it is. AVAL is a voice of reason. It was a website. No, it's not reason. It's a voice of warning. A-V-O-W. Oh, that's right. Yes, a voice of warning. Basically, it was a prepper group of mostly Mormon people that were, uh, it was kind of a chat room. Let's call it like uh, Wish Facebook for uh, preppers. Yeah. And (laughs) I like that. That's good. (laughs) And um, a lot of people in that group really, really defended Chad to the ends of the earth until the day the kids were found. Christopher Parrott, particularly one of his friends. And I mean, Christopher was online fighting everybody. Chad's a good man and he would never be involved in this. And and this is all wrong. And those kids are just hidden somewhere and they're not telling because they're not safe. And all this drama. You know, the day the kids are found, Christopher Parrott's like, uh, hi, um, I've made a mistake. Yes. And everyone's like, yeah, no shit, Christopher. You should have yeah, kept your, you, your mouth you shut in the first place. Up. When Chad he came apologized back. crazy over that. Oh, yeah. When uh, Chad came back from Hawaii, when Lori was extradited, he stayed with Christopher Parrott. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a fair amount of people. Well, my uh, my husband's cousin is married to one of Chad's kids. Don't make that you think I know any of them. I really don't. Um, big family, widespread family. But, mm-hmm. uh, oh, they were. My father-in-law went to a baby blessing. Remember the baby blessing that Chad went to? Well, yeah. right after he got back, well, right after Lori got extradited. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law was there. And he had told us that... Uh, the father-in-law of this boy was at the chat was there and that he, it's just the nicest guy. And everyone's just saying, it's just so ridiculous to think that this guy could have ever done something like this. And they're being so unfair to Chad. It's just not right. So if you think that that day, those kids got found that didn't send shockwaves through this area. It oh, did. Yeah. Oh because yeah. Chad still had a lot of support up to that day. He did. People really genuinely did not believe that he would possibly do anything like this. Um, um, which means yeah. they also thought that he couldn't have ever killed Tammy. Yes. It was all being rolled into the same bundle, you know, that everyone's just being unfair to poor Chad. Yeah. 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 And, and that all stopped immediately when he was arrested oh. and the kids were found and anybody that showed that had harbored any support for him, if they still did, they were not saying it. Oh no. Well, no, because that Dave out group and some of the other prepper groups and the, uh, energy work groups that were getting together and meeting and having their little get togethers and stuff boy, they slammed the door on that quick because there was talk of excommunications and you have to understand these people are all LDS. And if the church, you know, decides that you're doing something that you're not supposed to be, they will disfellowship you, which is a warning shot and gives you some time to repent for your sins and come Mm -hmm. back or they, if it's bad enough, they'll excommunicate you. And if they excommunicate you, you are out of the church. You can still usually come back if you work hard enough. Uh, but at any rate, and nobody wants that to happen. That would be the most right. humiliating. It could end their marriages. It could end their, their employment jobs. because a lot of them worked for the church, working at mm-hmm. the, for the college. And... There was a lot of people involved in these groups in some way that bailed 
real fast and shut the hell up because they wanted to save their good standing in the church more than anything. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Maybe just one more question and then I think we'll, we'll wrap it up for today. Do yeah. we know if Chad's kids knew their mom's cause of death before yesterday? They did because one of them actually leaked it and said a police officer told him that his mother was um, asphyxiated. That's right. That's so, right. yes, they did. And they kind of backpedaled and said they weren't allowed to know. Yes. You know, but the sheriff reality, would be mean to them. And but you yeah. can't close that door once it's been opened. And no. yes, there was no no talk about Tammy today because today this was about Detective Hermosillo and the finding of the kids. There will be yeah. a whole other uh, testimony around her autopsy and and everything that went on with her because they they happened at different times with different groups of people but yeah. we'll have this whole same conversation again with her mm -hmm. about her about her so yep. we do have um our very dear darla will be in court tomorrow and she will be passing information along to katie and i so we will be uh live tweeting and live facebooking what will be going on during court mm -hmm. tomorrow um and then of course tomorrow night is wednesday night case updates so mm -hmm. We'll probably do a lot of this and a little bit of some other cases as well. And a little bit of Letitia, Letitia Stotch. Yes. Gannon Stotch, because holy oh. shit. Talk about a trial that's gross as hell. This one is, but so is that one. Mm -hmm. there, yeah. Well, I. some of you guys mentioned Darrell Brooks. Are we gonna, is Lori going to turn into a Darrell Brooks situation? And I thought, is she going to turn into a Letitia Stotch situation? Right. So the judge had to put in an order. That they had to get her into court by any means necessary. Lori, you want that? Yeah. Do you want that? Do you know what that looks like? Yeah. No, she doesn't because everyone babies her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that would be like straitjacket. Yeah, or strap her ass in a wheelchair and wheel her yeah. into court like they've done with Brooks so many times. Mm -hmm. You bet, bro. That can absolutely happen. And yep. yes, Victoria, we still we will be doing Thursday night as well. So. Yep. We'll just keep yep. uh, chipping away at this. <laughs> yes. So I will be in court on Thursday and then Christy mm -hmm. will be in court on Friday. So we should yeah. have some really good coverage throughout the rest of the week. Um, and our kick-ass aunt is going every day. Yeah, so, she rocks. So yeah. we've got lots of help, um, you know, to uh, make sure that we bring you as much information as we possibly can. So yeah. You know it. Um, we appreciate you. We love you all. If you want to, you know, support us in all of the extra time and work we are putting in, you can tip us at truthcrimesquad.com. Uh, we've got buy me a coffee over there. We also have PayPal. So there's a couple of ways that you can tip us if you feel so inclined. And that is much appreciated. This is a lot of time and work. And yeah, this was a traumatic one today. I will admit to you, I'm grateful I wasn't in court. I'm grateful I didn't have to see those photos. Yep. That would have been really, really tough. They'll come up again. I'm sure this isn't they the will. only time. I, I think the timing, them. real quick before we wrap up here fast, the timing of what the prosecution is doing. You know, yesterday. They're opening, punching that jury square in the face. Mm -hmm, had the opening. And then, of course, they had Kay because they wanted to get her off the table and done. But they were starting the narrative because that got Charles's death in on the record. And yes. then, of course, they get... Uh, Brandon Boudreaux in there and it gets the next crime in on the record and now we're moving into the next crime they yep. really are following a timeline to the degree they that they can remember common scheme remember that phrase 
that mm-hmm. is the key to this entire the prosecution's whole case is that phrase. I would yep. promise you it is. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, yep. thank you Not all so much for joining us, supporting us, being our awesome squad. We love you all. And you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.